welcome everyone to the Exploring Potential podcast. I am so excited to share my guests' views on potential with you. In this podcast, we explore the meaning of potential with guests from various walks of life to better understand what potential is and to be able to discover and grow into more of our own potential in our lives. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Samantha Roy, experienced yoga teacher and self-proclaimed baby Buddha in training. Sam comes from a dance background and turned to yoga 15 years ago to manage a severe hip injury. She was introduced to the Jiva Mukti method in 2010 and then studied at the Sangye Yoga School. What had originally started as only a physical practice awakened her journey towards a spiritual one too. In addition to over 500 hours of yoga teacher training, she broadened her studies to include Buddhist teachings which form the foundation of her yoga practice and classes. Sam is continually encouraged and inspired by Buddhist philosophy, which she weaves into her dynamic and physically diverse classes. Through her authentic and committed approach, Sam's motivation in every class is to bring attention to the present and move towards a conscious potential. You can experience her transformational yoga classes in Brighton at the Loft on Wednesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. and at the Yoga Garden in Shipley on Wednesday mornings from 10 to 11.30 a.m. and Thursday evenings from 7.30 to 9 p.m. She also leads yoga retreats around Europe, which focus on cultivating an authentic life. To learn more about her and book a class or a retreat, visit her website, samantharoy.co. Before we begin, a brief side note. I'm sorry there's a slight background interference in this episode. While I always endeavor to give you the best podcast quality possible, sometimes it's just out of my control when using online telephony. But without further ado, please enjoy Sam's thoughts on potential. Hi, Sam. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. So to start off the interview, I'd love for you to complete the following sentence. To me, potential is... capacity to develop into something, right? Um, maybe refers to... unrealized ability. Um... I think where we get stuck, if, if, we, if we think about, if we're going to question what our potential is, we have to inevitably question what it is that we are. That's what blows my mind anyway, and perpetually continue to type study to try and understand um, you know, there's something so vital beyond this, this uh, seen and perceived world that we see. Um, mm. Do we in our daily lives consider that we are not these um, limited physical people but part of a larger fabric of existence? You know, do we contemplate the power of the universe and Mother Nature in, in our every waking moment? Um, do we diligently practice? Um, being able to fully awake and have an expanded view of reality to open to this full potential? No. Um, you know, I mean, science teaches us that human body is built of the same matter as the universe is built of, right? And, and works with the same energies um, that operates the universe. And yet we perpetually see ourselves as these limited, we see ourselves as separate. We see mm. ourselves as separate to this rhythm of life. Um, and you know, that whole uh, acorn, you know, the, the, the acorn is planted and the oak tree grows, right? Its seed is already predetermined. It doesn't sit there and, and think about what is life about? What am I supposed to be? It's not judged mm. by the trees in the forest. Um, you know, it's mother acorn tree isn't sort of putting ideas on it of what it should be. And yet we assume by the nature of our intelligence and our ability to choose, which removes us mm, somewhat from instinct, we assume that we're completely out of this huge fabric of consciousness. And that potentially, if we 
move away from these mental constructs of who we believe we are or who we've told people have told us or teachers have told us and parents have told us that and we can try and align somewhere with nature if the universe has no beginning and end then that must relate to us right that potential mm. is infinite and i think if 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 we could just consider what we potentially are a little bit more often or make daily habit of it um this is when i mean that can be so overwhelming you you i guess you can start to think well how would i even understand where my potential is or who i am but what it isn't i guess okay so i would always the way that when i try and make a decision i try and think about all the things i don't want and that lead to a decision right because it's not always clear so your potential is not your mental constructs or hallucinations of who you believe yourself to be right mm. you sitting opposite me now look like someone asking me questions to you um you might feel like you're a tired mother right so it's all with all these perceptions and hallucinations going on all the time so the minute that we try and create some sort of potential or pushing ourselves from a place of um weakness or not being good enough then our potential's never going to it's never going to go past that point we're only ever ever going to realize it to the to where our starting point is does that make sense mhm so yeah i think first and foremost potential is not maybe what we've what we perceive or what we we perceive to be reality as there is no truth right there is no true reality because your truth is different to my truth it's different to everyone's truth mm-hmm. so i'd say that's your starting point um what isn't it learn to let go of um just learning somehow to fall into those natural rhythms of life. I think you know that can that in itself can is a lot of work because you're in essence undoing an entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. And that that can be all these things can be quite overwhelming. Cuz I know, you know, in that moment you want to understand well uh what is my potential in this job or what is my potential in this relationship or what is my potential but we have to um we have to work on a much much broader spectrum much broader i think we get so stuck in the details of our lives so stuck in these details that essentially like i said are, are hallucinations right Mm. I don't know if any of that makes sense. Yes, I mean to me to me it it does make sense because it's the hallucinations are the things that we've been taught, the beliefs that we have about ourselves, about our life, what, you know, how we make sense of our life and for us humans, we need to fill in the gaps of any information that's missing for something to be logical. So we fill those gaps in with the beliefs that we have about ourselves. So to me that's what I understand you to mean the hallucinations we have of ourselves. The the perpetual thoughts um that in essence get in the way of potential the stories we tell ourselves mental constructs of who we believe ourselves to be, you know. I believe myself to not be good at art. Um I believe myself to be good at languages um and that really pisses me off because it's been told to me. Right? that was told to me by a teacher at some point in my life and it's you can construct an entire lifetime around that and limit mm. so much potential based can... on what one person might have said exactly i mean one person did say to me at one point in when i was younger i held up a picture a painting that i'd done and to the rest of the class and said this is an example of how not to paint you know from that point onwards that's an entire life devoted to not being creative mm. you know um 
because of then the constructs that you place on top of that and the importance that we, we give to that. You know, we live in these self-regulating, what was it, Pema Chodron uh, said, we live in this self-regulating organisms. And yet in our minds, in our daily choices, we perpetually get stuck. Perpetually get stuck. Um, and this is where, you know, building a bit of space, building a bit of mindfulness and being able to mm, observe our thoughts and watch our reactions, we can develop more skillful states of mind. Um, which comes down to, you know, we, we can create the fruits of our thoughts or what we're doing in a particular moment, and that all goes into karma, you know, another big subject. But I think essentially what, we, what we've done is, particularly in the West, is we've forgotten, we've really sort of pushed away the whole, if we don't understand it and it can't be scientifically explained, you know, we, we sort of poo-poo the whole woo-woo of it, you know, mysticism, magic, anything we don't understand. Not saying that potential is related to magic, but we, we just don't understand everything. Mm. And, and there's a lot of beauty and potential to be gained in those moments where you uh, sit in meditation for half an hour, an hour, or do a yoga class and you know you feel physically different or you know I don't know you take a walk in the park and for a sudden your, your thoughts clear and you feel at one with the breeze or whatever it doesn't have to be understood it's just this it's a letting go I guess it's a letting go of this the human condition of neurosis to understand everything to just think my God, my potential might be infinite. You know? There, if I just let go, what might I become? You know, what seeds were planted? I am part of an evolutionary process. And yet my control, based on my mental constructs and what my parents have told me about me, or an ex-boyfriend who hated me at the time, I can't think of one, just as an example, um, I'm going against this grain and creating this, well, blocking potential, you know, reacting. Um, so if you think you're not good enough or if your potential is driven by competition or trying to be better than people, um, you know, I think about Instagram and how that, you know, literally makes me feel sick. It, you know, and the feeling that you get when you're when you're looking at some posts, and the reaction that might create, and then where you might want to post or how it makes you feel. Um, you know, if you think you're not good enough and you're coming from that place, then what are you going to manifest, right? What's your potential going to manifest? So, do you think that potential can ever be reached? I think, um, well, first you'd have to define the, the questions of, you know, what are you, what are we, what is our, what is our potential role here? And I think there's a massive liberation in relinquishing um, some of those quests and needing those answers. I think your potential... I mean, look at it in different ways. If, if I look at the different stages of my life, you know, did I have the potential to be successful in my career and to earn um, certain amounts of money? Um, did I have the potential to pass exams? You know, it depends where you're, where you're setting the, the limit. Do I have the potential now in my life to understand that if I clear, if I try through a daily and diligent practice of trying to breathe some space into my thoughts, do I have the potential to be, mm, to live more in harmony with nature, therefore not harming the rhythm of life, not harming others, not harming myself, 
do I have the potential to do that? Then, yeah. But it depends where your aim is. And what you see as... I think we have to get very clear um, about what it is we're doing here. Are we manifesting our own separate existences or are we part of a huge whole and if we're part of this whole existence then surely these ethics come into play that are important of you know non-harming in so many different ways it's not just like oh i realize that the government tells me i mustn't go out and kill people but through the way that i speak and think slander, gossip, uh, you know, not harming anything for any moment of the day takes a really conscious effort, really conscious, in the way that you eat, in the way that you speak, in the way that you think, in the way that you judge, you know, right livelihood, uh, if you, are you doing work in the world that creates to the general well-being of other people or are you harming them? You know, our potential can be reached in all of these things. Of course they can. And for me personally, that's kind of where I lay my foundations now. Rather than thinking individually, can I, Sam, potentially do this for myself? And I realise that's working against the grain. It's still self-preoccupied, self-limiting behaviour. So can we reach a potential to uh, awaken into our true nature, which, you know, the Buddhists say that at our essence, beneath all the constructs and the learned behaviours, we are, uh, we're, we're perfect. But it takes a lifetime of training to sort of get back there and to realise it and to sort of merge back into this universe that created us. For me, I can't see that there's any other aim to have than to try and to realise that, to awaken to that. So getting back to that perfect state would be to reach one's potential yeah we've all had those moments where life is for, for just even just for a second it's like that just feels perfect you know everything is is as it as it should be um so yeah reaching your potential would be to feel in line with that what other aim is there um, to not sleepwalk through life in, in habitual patterns, but to to awaken to this perfect sense of of being, where you're aligned. Um, for me, that would be your ultimate potential. Yeah, a life well lived um, in terms of having deeper meaning and being connected and not seeing yourself as separate. So could you think of someone who does that, who you would consider that they live their potential? Yeah, of course. There's, there's lots of people we can think of the Dalai Lama, right? Sees compassion in all things, love for all things, tirelessly. I mean... This is the thing as well, you know, I, I look at some of my teachers sometimes who spend their life dedicated to teaching people and I remember I said to one once, you know, do you not get exhausted? And she was like, you know, when, when you're, there's an abundance, there's an abundance of energy when you're aligned and you're not working against the grain of things. Absolutely not. If you think about what is exhausting, it's when you work against it, when you work for the for the self. If your higher intention is self-preoccupied, 
you know, I want to gain more than that person, I want to have whatever, it becomes exhausting. So, yeah, I mean, to be able to let go of self-preoccupations and work towards people kind of waking up and working with each other, potential, full potential realised, right? To not be... Imagine a life not... not, um, at the mercy of reactions. Imagine a life fully, fully mindful and aware of everything that you're doing, not reactive to anything. A life of like, you know, enough meditation and clarity in the mind that you can see the good in everything. And that's, it's not, you know, it's not like um, fairy, fairy tale stuff. Well, I think that's how we were born. And if you look at children, if I look at, at, uh, at small children, um, that's what they do. They just live purely in the moment, the fascination and the curiosity that they have, which we all had. I think um, that is fascinating. So it is within us and it's just other stuff that was layered on top of that. Exactly. I went to a talk the other day, um, this guy. This is a book you should have, Christopher Wallace, um, Tantra Illuminated. So he's a scholar, he's, he's just incredible. Um, and he was talking about, you know, when you go you take a, a kid to the park, a, a baby to the park, and they're just consumed in like, oh my God, am I thinking? well, they're not speaking, but it's like doggy, 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 doggy. You know, the just the fact that there's this energy of an animal coming towards them and it makes them smart and they're consumed. And then the tired mother is like, yes, it's a dog. And she's already categorized what kind of dog, how, whether she likes the dog or not. It, you know, it's just that wonder of life. Um, it's just dampened. It's like wet towels, isn't it? You can't resonate and feel through it. And yeah, imagine a life, a non-reactive, fully present life. That's what potential is. Just a hundred percent presence for, for for all for for the wonders and for the for the moments that aren't as well. You know, because we we push away. We push away the things we don't like. We try and bring the things towards us that we do. So we have desires and aversions by the very nature of the fact that everything is changing all the time. Um, That's not sustainable. So to be fully present to all feelings and all of life and to be able to sit with it. And I think that's something we've lost as well. I knew that was something that I had in my 20s, very, very cynical and 30s about... Um, you know, not trusting the good times. And when I look back, I was obviously just very aware that things change all the time, but what what a way to look at it, to just not trust inherent anything good, because I felt more comfortable with the bad times. I could sit with those, and that was as good as it was going to get, you know? I mean, where's the potential in that? So sort of realizing and contemplating that all things change and um, you know the preciousness of this human life what is it one in I think I've said this in class one in 400 trillion chances of you being born at the time you were born to the parents you were born with your genetic makeup and <laughs> apart from knowing this we never live or behave as the miracle that we are right so if we're aware that life's going to consistently changing and knowing that life uh, doesn't last forever, there's this urgency uh, to wake up and to fully enjoy those moments. Not to think, oh, this is a good thing, I don't trust it, it's going to go, but to the potential to live in it 100%, to smell it and taste it and write about it and, you know, to fully be alive. 
equally to fully be alive when um, when someone dies or you know the, still the wonder of life right that is our potential to feel everything um, and to do it like I was saying someone like the Dalai Lama to do it for the good of everyone the good of everything uh, we're connected fully and completely it's our separateness that brings us all that suffering right so yeah suddenly your aim every day can just to be to get up and to fully feel life and to do away with competing or trying to and I think, I think if we're really honest with ourselves, you know, it's really shocking in those first few years where you begin a practice, a spiritual practice, to really sort of get to grips with who you are. You know, just to really, really not turn away from the fact that competitive, jealous, angry. And then that has to come in acceptance like that's, that's fine you know lots of people helped make me that way including the television and the billboards in the magazine it was okay so this potential to accept ourselves and that's that's something that I can't I don't I see that we really struggle with to see the or to see the good in other people and um and not in ourselves. What we was I reading the other day, like thinking you're this sort of prideful place. So um, in thinking that you're um, so arrogance pride is is some, a negative um, affliction you need to rid yourself of, right? But thinking you're better than someone else. But equally, it comes from the same place as thinking you're not as good as someone else. You know, there's the same affliction. Yeah. My next question would be, um, do you feel as though you're living your potential? And if so, in which areas of your life? I think um, I think at the moment I've opened up to the possibility that I don't know anything. I think that's a really important thing to do. Um, so I've opened up to the possibility that I'm working towards, you know, if I had to set an intention for what my potential is, what do we all want? A, a, a relatively happy, um, pain-free life. So in terms of that, yes, my potential, um, yes, but every day I work very hard in trying to understand what more potential there is out there. I remember when I first started serious practice and my brother said to me, you know, how are you? I was like, ah, I'm not elated. I'm not intensely happy like I used to be, but I'm not also not intensely down how I used to be. I've just kind of flatlined quite comfortably. And he was like, oh. But I realize now, years later, you know, again, it's just a shift in perception, isn't it? I, I would take that if, that, if that's the best that I can get to, when I was to die within the next year, then yeah, I've, I've fulfilled a potential of not of being relatively content and not at the mercy of myself. But in the back of my mind, of course, I you know, I study Buddhism where I'm like, okay, there's talk of of awakening and enlightenment. I'm like, well, yeah, fuck yeah, why don't I try and go for that? Maybe it's ridiculous. Maybe it'll happen in five lifetimes. Maybe it is possible, but always have goals, right? Goals are good. I think we, we get taught that desires are um, 
desire is bad and we must move away from desires, but the desire to be good or the desire to fulfill your existence on this earth, these are good, these are, these are you know, impetus to go on, to study, to and, and the byproducts, all the incredible byproducts of being a, a good person and uh, feeling compassion for people and just starting to feel the world around you. Um, yeah, every day you're fulfilling some sort of potential because there's some intention there. I don't think it has to have an end because there is no end. You can't reach it, tick. I don't think there should ever be a point at which you're like, well, yeah, this is it. Um, you know, a big cultural issue currently is this sense of dissatisfaction. Um, gaining happiness from the material world. Dead end game. But also a big thing that we have been taught from early on and the misconception that the more material things you're able to afford, the happier you will be, the more content you will be, the easier life will be. And here I've often heard from people who did end up making a lot of money that they then come to the realization that money doesn't buy you happiness and... Um, so maybe that's a process that just a lot of people have to go through. Yeah, I mean, that, is, that fully is the message. And the, the very frightening thing is, is that having come from an industry where you sit around a table and you create lies to sell to people, to convince them that that's what they need, you then, even though it's your job to do it and you're getting paid to do it and you know you're creating a lie, you then leave work and you fucking believe it, yeah? You're, you're in it. You look at another billboard or you look at an advert and you believe it. You believe you should look, um, you know, younger or a different version of yourself. And that is how potent it is. That is how deep these grooves are. Because if we were to suddenly just uh, realize ourselves as, you know, uh, Sam at 43 launched onto a board table, creating a visual for, advertising I'd be like whoa this is crazy but I realized that I got there through a consequence of events that I'm sitting there aware of what I'm doing but completely delusional at the same time you know um and that that's how and that's why it takes the, the, the spirit you know it takes a long time to undo these things and of course if you've got money I mean again going back to the Dalai Lama, he makes a really important point. We shouldn't all just be living in caves and renounce all our money and everything. A certain amount of money to be able to feed yourselves well, to have a roof over your head and to live comfortably. There's nothing wrong with aspiring to that. Nothing wrong at all. It's just, you know, at what point do you then truly believe that happiness and contentment fully exists in the material things outside of yourself? You know, there's that not ability, the ability to be safe and comfortable, access to, to to be able to nourish yourself and look after your health and so forth, but then to be self-aware enough to self-reflect, right? And to realize that everything within here, it's when you place everything, that's when it just goes out of control. Cars, houses, more money, more money, more money, more money, more problems, right? We all know, we all know money doesn't, it's just an obvious, and that's the crazy thing, the same when you sit in a job and you, you, you're part of it, you're aware but you're not, you're still delusional, you know it's the problem but you still practice it. So do you think there are certain things that, um, or what things do you think would stand in the way of someone, um living their potential you know I'm di I, I realize that I, I think differently to a lot of people I just I don't believe in things standing in the way 
Hmm. You know, I, I get it. I get that people have, you know, life is about so many different, and within every single moment, it's, it's a, um, you know, we're all interlinked in experiences that give us, bring us to this point where suddenly, um, you know, we're married to the wrong people or got heavy mortgages over our head or committed to jobs or people, whatever. There's millions of things. But I still think there's a place to reside. There's a comfortable place that the human, uh, you know, we can reside within that. We're very, we can be very focused on excuses. And again, sort of believing the package that we've been sold. I just don't, I've never subscribed to that. There's always, I think you, you can become so far removed from your, any sort of instinctful, gutful feeling or needs to, that, there, that there is something more that you prescribe to all these material things that get in the way. Um, I, I personally have, you know, had mortgages, left jobs from one day to the next, fully in debt, um, been in relationships that aren't right, you leave them, um, you have your children, you take them with you, whatever. It's just everything comes back to best advice I ever received is everything, everything comes back to your intention. What is your intention behind what is your motivation behind your act? You know, and if it, if that is for the to be to be happier not at the destruction of anyone else, but um, to create, to understand life a little bit more, to, to be fully awake in this lifetime and to fully realize your potential, whatever that is, maybe you don't even know what it is yet, but you just know there's some sort of instinct, there is something, then I just, obstacles, you have to be removed. We're obsessed, you know, mortgages, certain size houses, certain incomes coming in. Uh, you know, there's health, but... The health can go, but, but everything can be negotiated, navigated. So I could sit there and say, yes, there are plenty of things. And I can think of thousands of things, but I just, I can't, I, my, bank, my brain doesn't engage that way. If you don't, if it's not right, change it. And if you don't know what's right and what's wrong, get rid of what's definitely wrong. That's the only way that I work, that simple. Just don't harm anyone on the way. This where these ethics come into play. You know, I never had good guides. My parents certainly didn't live a conventional life. Um, I didn't believe. I didn't really have anyone up until about five years ago, where I considered where I appreciate where I took their advice, where I really believed in what they were doing. I didn't have any of that. And so, starting to study um, Buddhism, where there are ethical guides. You know, I was really like, whoa, you know, right speech, right mindfulness, right livelihood, right action. I was like, whoa, this is like, how, how am I going to be myself within all these rules? Until you realize <laughs> that it's just this beautiful framework that you can, um, you can use the way that you want as simply or as detailed as you want to remove obstacles and reach your potential. You know, be careful what you say, be careful what you think. Don't harm people, so forth. Look after yourself, nurture yourself, not to the harm of anyone else. And so long as you're those are getting ticked, then you can just get rid of everything else that doesn't work. You just knock it down one minute to the next. Anything's possible, and this is it. We forget. We forget what we're made of. We sit at nature programs. We watch them. We think, "Wow, how did that like praying mantis in that part of the world? How does it know how to do that?" And it's like we're driven by the same stuff that, that our minds have become so developed that we we um, we remove ourselves from plugging back in. I think, anyway. So once all of those obstacles or whatever it is that needs to be removed is removed, what do you think it would feel like if um, 
we did live our potential. Again, I think it's a, that's a bit destination focused, right? Um, I'm still in a place where I don't, I don't know what it is yet. I can envisage living in a cave in the Himalayas, um, in some sort of blissful state, but. Again, that's when you envisage your potential. I mean, are you daydreaming slightly? Can we not just be? Mm, I find it easier, again, just to be a little bit more humble about it and a little bit more simple in terms of what would that state be to be living your full potential? not to be at the mercy of a react and, and, and reactive to life. To, to be, imagine that feeling when you look at a sunset going down and you're in total awe, yeah? And interested and captivated. To be feeling that 24 hours a day. That would be my ultimate potential. Hope that would be my potential. To be fully in awe of life. And to think less. So tiring. So for you, is it more of, um, of a process then than... Absolutely. reaching your potential and you remove things remove things and then you get to a point where you've removed everything and that's where you have lived your potential your view is more the whole journey to to getting there if you yeah. ever even do get there exactly you'll never remove everything because the nature of life is to bring you another something to learn from something so i, I don't i don't it is it is living in a process in in a rhythm living back in some sort of rhythm. Certainly not, even though, as I said, you know, people talk about enlightenment, but there's no word, there's no description of enlightenment. There's no, you know, I remember when, again, when I first started in my naivety coming out of advertising, I was like, what does it feel like? What, what, what does it feel like? Where are the words? Describe it to me. I need to understand. What will I look like? You know? <laughs> and then you're like, wow, wow. How, you know, how do I even, how did I even think things like that? So, um, yeah, it's, it's fully, fully a process. And maybe just a, a relinquishing of really sort of imagining what it would be. And I, I think we have this incessant need to control and identify said we don't see the baby oak tree sitting there thinking what will I be what will it feel like what's everyone going to think of me and can you think back to the first time in your life that you thought about um, potential your potential um, yeah I mean mine always revolved around My mum was a ballerina and I could just dance from the youngest age. You know, my dad talks about, you know, how you go and see your kids in ballet and it's like, oh, okay, it's really great, it's really lovely, but they're just doing silly stuff. And my dad talks about, and my dad was very hard on me and I didn't often say very nice things, but he used to talk about the fact that it was clear um, something different was at play here. I had complete control over my body at three or four years old that adults didn't have. And whenever I try and teach as well from, um, you know, from a yogic point of view of trying to tap in to that, you know, that heart center, that sort of feeling beyond doing something to yourself, but feeling from the inside, I always relate it back to dancing when you just, you slip into something else. You, there's another 
there's there's another paradigm there, you know, and everything disappears, and you just you just know what to do. I mean, yeah, fair enough. Someone's choreographed something. You might not know what the next step is, but if you put on the music, it's like, oh my, I just know what to do. My body knows what to do. So I think mm. at a really young age, I was clear. There's something else, you know. Something else was going on. That wasn't necessarily my choice because I used to hate going to dance class. Yeah, I'd rather sit in front of the TV. Um, but I used to go there and know that I was supposed to be doing it and know that everyone, in a completely non-arrogant way, right, everyone would be like, ah. And I know that I'd pass all my exams of honours and I know that everyone would try and make me be a ballerina. But I fucking hated it. But it, for, because I didn't want to be a dancer, and I'm glad I wasn't, but I knew that there was a feeling. Everything could go away, and there's just a place, there was a feeling that would arise inside. So wouldn't you say that in that area, in, in dance, that to me that sounds like what you described earlier, you know, to to just be completely in the present moment in the positive psychology area you speak of flow um, being in, in a state of flow where you know you're just in completely immersed by what you're doing you forget and everything around you time and um, you're just completely present with what you're doing and things flow easily so would you would you say that you reached or you were reaching your potential when it comes to your potential to dance in that area of your life? Yeah, it's quite, yeah, thinking about that now, it's odd because I guess I could see it as then it was all, whatever I achieved in terms of career and exams, it was probably all downhill from there, you know? Um, until inevitably you get to the point where you crash and burn and, and your existence is not aligned. You know, you know, you just, something doesn't feel aligned. The way you're behaving, speaking, acting, living doesn't feel aligned. You can't describe it more than that. And there's moments where something moves together and you're like, oh, what was that? That feels aligned. That feels good. Maybe it was a conversation with someone and you're like, okay, what you just said really made me feel aligned. Um, so yeah, maybe from, you know, that's so sad as well to think that from your teenage years, suddenly you can just apparently be on the, the correct path, but you, you're veering completely off until maybe, you know, life's many breakdowns that bring you back to like, where's that feeling gone? Whatever we did as a child where we used to lose ourselves, yeah, flow state. And that's what we try and teach in asana, right? Or learn in asana is that I mean, I'll be honest, I struggle to get it in us, and I only get it in dance, but when you feel fully alive to the posture, and something's flowing, and it just clicks in. But, and if you think about it, sexual energy, people forget that. People talk about... They, you know, particularly women, it's like, well, I don't really don't get what you're talking about. It's like anyone who's ever had an orgasm, yeah, would understand. Jesus Christ, there's a point at which I'm just consumed. Yeah, you're not thinking about your shopping list then, <laughs> or your to-dos for the rest of the day. Maybe you are, but your orgasm's going to end very soon. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> and, and how that you can go from 14, 14, 13, 14 years old and just 
that was probably the last time, you know, and you can hang it all on. Oh, I don't want to this pretend. I don't want to be a dancer. I don't what I had, I had, you know, my, um, I had injuries that stopped me, but, um, yeah, I, I must've just linked it to that physical activity and you put out of your mind the fact that it doesn't have to be, you might, the, the physical activity was a conduit to me feeling it. But now, you know, meditation is, or reading certain books is like, whoa, I'm in that state again. I'm lost. And we're just, we're not taught that. Nothing in our culture teaches us to do that. I don't think. Maybe when you're eating an, an incredible meal or when I see my daughter playing sports sometimes, she's lost in it. And it's like, where are we not teaching just to feel fully present and alive? That's your potential. Feeling alive and thinking, you know, I don't know why I get lost in cooking. I, I don't, but I get lost in cooking, but I do. You know, and people should say, you know, you, you need to keep getting lost because that is your, um, maybe your acorn seed is that, you, I don't know, you're supposed to feed people, you know. Surely that's what our genetics is telling us and this genetic makeup, the manifestation of me as consciousness is about so many things arising and coming together to create this miracle. And for me to live my potential, I have to be in that flow state. What puts me in that flow state? Life should be about experimenting. What is it? What makes me feel that way? But we're not. We're like, we have to do this subject and this subject, and then you have to earn a certain amount of money, and then you have to do this and that. And we're, we're fucked. And we don't understand why we just don't, we don't feel anything. Yeah, that's why we get, we can have as much money in the bank as possible, but it doesn't, you're not feeling anything, right? Yeah. And you can keep trying to buy things that'll make you feel that way, that maybe make you feel that way for a short period of time, but it's usually limited. Of course it is, but the nature of impermanence that everything changes. So everything you buy is going to break and disintegrate anyway. So, so you know, law, the law of maths and science are going to tell you that if you place all your, you know, hopes and, and, and love in your iPhone, in about a year it will stop working. So that's what Apple have programmed it to do, right? <laughs> so, yeah, good few things for me to think about there <laughs> yeah I, I I loved hearing that story and you talking about you knew that 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 was just a talent of yours you knew that you knew what to do you you knew your body knew what to do when when that music came on and thinking back to the beginning of our conversation when we talked about beliefs and um that relationship to you know how that how our beliefs shape us and and limit us as well in in who we are and what we think is possible um and so i wonder is that would that be a sign like i'm on the right path you know like you said an alignment when you have that feeling of knowing i know i'm good at this i know it just comes natural to me i know what to do and I don't have to think about it. Absolutely, I would say. I mean, who knows? But um, I think the less words you can put to it, the less explanation you can put to it, um, but that there is some sort of internal alignment and feeling, then yeah. Yeah, you know, when you have to make those decisions, it's like, oh, my heart says one thing, but my head says the other. There, there is another place. There's another place where you're like, again, I'll tell you what, you know, your head, right? If you're, and this is where these ethics come in so handy. You can just do that checklist. <laughs> Am I living ethically? I've got all that covered off. 
So my head's all right, right? Mm. My head can go to sleep now, right? Mm. My brain, because I know I'm not, I'm doing anything bad. Um, and then, you know, something inside is driving you. But again, how do you find that? Because people sit there in dismay whenever I might bring this up in class. It's like, well, where do I find that? Process of elimination, right? Every time you feel misaligned or every time you don't feel good, do less of that thing. Well, the things we do to ourselves, you know, over-exercising, over-eating, under-eating, overworking, laziness, whatever. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. And at some point, I can't imagine that every day, you know, if you're trying to live mindfully as well, so you're giving yourself the best chance to have a long life. We don't know how long we're going to live, but, you know, if you're not smoking and drinking and hurting yourself excessively, there's a chance you might have a decent a long enough life, right? Um if you eliminate all the things that don't make you feel anything, don't make you feel good, then at some point something's got to touch you, I would imagine. But the problem is that we want it now, right? We, we see this potential as, well, yeah, but okay, so I want to be happy right now. That's why I purchase stuff. That's why I buy stuff. That's why I invest in material stuff, right? I want it now. I have as long as I to happen now, right now. Or, yes, I mean, you can have moments of joy, can't you, when you just think, well, I really enjoy doing that, so I'm going to continue to do it. And I realise that this problem is like where addiction can come from. It's like, okay, well, I feel good when I'm completely smashed. But with it, what's the byproduct? Who are you hurting in the process? Are you hurting yourself? And how does the hangover feel? So that tells you that that can't be done. That's not it, what we're talking about. Right? So, again, sometimes it's looking in the dark. And we've all been there. It's like, you know, nothing in my life brings me joy. Nothing. Well, start eliminating the stuff that harms you the most amount of, the least amount of joy. And then maybe in a year's time, you'll have only three things that don't bring you joy. And then maybe in a year's time, you'll be like, mm, okay. You know, it's just, it's it's all a process. But unfortunately, we think because we're in a materialistic world that we can purchase and have. The spiritual path, natural path just doesn't work like that. So as much work as you've put in, so if I'm 43, you know, I've put in that much work from when I was a kid to now, constructing the ideas of myself and what life is, then I've got to put at least that much work back in undoing it. But in that process, there's so many positive byproducts that come. Life generally becomes good. And when we get hit with things like diseases and stuff that inevitably will come our way, we just have, we, we've, we've gained the uh, courage and the strength to sit with things and to understand, to see them in different ways, to see them in different perspectives, to understand that illness comes along, to be able to um, give us an urgency to preach, you know, if you go to bed every single night, like the Buddhists say, you know, the problem with Western culture is we believe we're not, we push away the fact that we're going to die. Whereas in a lot of Eastern cultures, you know, death is the, is the biggest celebration. It's coming. It's the only thing that's guaranteed, right? So if you go to bed every night, aware that it, it, you're, you're working towards this great event, then every day has to be your greatest attempt to find some sort of joy and alignment. That has to be the potential. And then from there, God knows where it goes. But wanting to know what the potential is and wanting to have it straight away, I'd say, is problems. Mm. So it's, do you, would you say it's a natural, uh, naturally evolving process of finding out, figuring out um, what your potential is by 
practicing being present? Yeah, I think it's hard. I think it's a very disciplined process. Because if you, if you, if you if me, it's very easy for me to say, well, if things that don't make you feel aligned, you don't like them, don't do them anymore. You know, if they're ingrained habits, that's a really disciplined, you know, giving up certain foods, giving up dieting, giving up drinking, giving up certain people, moving yourself away from family members or getting another job. I mean, the list, look at that. That in itself is about 10 years worth of work, right? Those heavily, heavily disciplined, but difference is discipline in our culture seems to resonate with something negative. Discipline in Eastern cultures, you know, martial arts, uh, what, you know, they're synonymous with joy. Discipline, you know, this is where we, we bear the fruits of our work. So discipline. Um, so it is, mm, eventually it becomes natural, but in the beginning it's, it's as unnatural as the stuff that we learn from teachers and stuff that we believe about ourselves. We have to put in a serious amount of work. I have to sit down every day and set times for meditation. And if I don't, my life is different. I see the edges starting to, ooh, it all feels very different. It's just like anything. You have to put in the work. It's not easy being a worker ant, is it? It's not easy being a bee and collecting honey, constantly working. But there's there's ways, there's things, you know, what is your work? your potential is to be a good to be a good mother and to raise a child that is won't harm the world around it put in the work and that's all you have to do unfortunately now we believe especially as women that our potential is you know can't just be that it's not enough i mean that is the biggest mistake we ever made Right, we trapped ourselves even further um, by putting, forcing ourselves to compare with each other, to be in the workplace, to work harder than men for less money. For what? Everyone can do what they want, right? Within those ethics. But this pushing potential, I have the potential to be a great. Earner. I have the potential. Mm. Where's 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 the intention coming from? From society or from what feels good? Definitely some food for thought in there as well. <laughs> um, so, coming towards the end of the interview, could you tell me about how your views about potential may have changed since we started this interview? Uh, since we, how my views have changed mm -hmm. about potential since we started the interview. Do you know, I guess when we started, I would have been really focused on more of the letting go. Um which is a big part of it. But having discussed a little bit about, you know, my experience, it's a good reminder that you get out what you put in, that it's work, it's hard work. That's what I would take away from it is that, you know, maybe sometimes I forget you know, I really sort of revel in the joy of my life. And there's, there's more work to be done. And if, you know, if you love the work you're doing, work even harder. Good reminder. Thank you. <laughs> Um, and is there anything else you think I should know to better understand what potential means to you?
No, I don't think so. I mean, just so long as, you know, it's about renouncing these self-created cycles of suffering, isn't it? Get clear about it. Get clear about what your intention is, what you feel your potential is. And that it's limitless. This is the problem, you know, when you have to uh, set uh, intention in the beginning of class. People struggle with that. So you I think we, we forget that we can say, you know, that it's okay to say to be, to be the happiest that I can be. Simplicity, right? So. Well, thank you so much. Yes, that was very interesting and um, a great, great take on, on potential from your end. So thank you so much for your time and input. You're welcome. Thank you for thinking of me. Well, of course.